You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That glint in your eyes can mean only one thing. I'm doing costume design. Ladies and gentlemen, we invite your apprehensive listening. How would you define the term breakthrough for yourself? When you read these stories about overnight successes, there's a lot of sweat equity that's gone into doing this work. I say as long as you have breath in your body, there's never an age when you're supposed to do anything. So you don't know when things might show up in your life. So be patient with yourself, be willing to do the work and to put in the time because, you know, the payoff will come. I feel very gratified and very satisfied that for all of the trials, all the challenges, you know, the setbacks, the questioning of myself, okay, do I really want to do this? And and being clear. You're coming in loud and clear. And my answer is yes. I'm doing costume design. Welcome to the Afro Existential Podcast, a podcast and audio play in one. I am one of your hosts, Indira Wilson. And I'm Blaine Tima. This season, we'll be presenting a brand new audio play entitled Pandora Strong. Anything else? And a new interview series entitled The Breakthrough From Vision to Fruition. In this series, we hear from people who took a great idea and made it a reality. We want to know how they did it and how they got over the obstacles along the way. We hope that it helps and inspires you to make your great idea a reality. In this episode, we interview costume designer Bonita Elliott. We talk about her big breakthrough moment and how Academy Award-winning costume designer for the films Phantom Thread and the artist Mark Bridges became her mentor. Anything else? It's Who's That Baby's Daddy Day on the Alex Winter Show. I was afraid of that. It's Alex Winter. But before we go to commercial, here is a sneak peek of our next audio play, Pandora's Trunk. Pandora Washington is on a quest to find her birth mother. In this scene, she meets Sister Rosemary, who tries to explain to Pandora how she was seduced by the new minister of the first and last most faithful harvest and grains Abernathy Church. We shall begin now. Matthew 15, 11 says, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Matthew 15, 11. Lord, that what it do say. He ain't lie. He ain't lie because that's what it do say. Ha! Then Pandora, girlfriend, he did me like he did Eve. Ha! He wanted me to taste his fruit. He wanted me to taste his fruit. Ha! Let me say it one more time. He wanted me to taste his fruit. Ha! was a strange fruit. Was it a mango or a tangela? Were it like no mango or no tangela? As far as I know, lo, I did go. I said it was a strange fruit and I liked it. Was it like a, a kumquat or a papaya? 
and can I get an amen? If it weren't like no persimmon, and I tell you one more again, it's the kind of fruit you want to have at night. And we'll be right back after a brief commercial break. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Every day I struggle with caring. I don't want to have to struggle with my hair. Get new and improved Afro Existential Sheen Shampoo and Reconditioner. Ow! It goes deep into your roots and uncovers the natural beauty that's been there all the time. Yeah. Every day I live the struggle. I don't want to have to struggle with my hair. And for added protection on those caring days, there's Afro Existential Sheen Super Holding Hairspray. Ow. A protein-based hairspray that holds your hair back, but won't hold you back. <laughs> I don't even have to take my earrings off. I hate to think where I'd be without it. Afro Existential Sheen Shampoo, Reconditioner, and Relaxer. Get it today, your roots will thank you. And that's no lie. Ow. Well, that's when you thank your lucky stars for Glowcoat. Hello, and welcome back to the Afro Existential Podcast. I am your host today, Blaine Teamer. Oh, your surprises were always the best. So back in March of 2017, I saw a stage production of Kemp Powers one night in Miami at a small theater called the Rogue Theater in Los Angeles. The staging, the casting, the performances, the script, the direction, and the costumes. Everything I thought was just really aspirational in regards to what small theaters can really do. I went through the program under assistant costume designer was a name that I recognized, Benita Elliott. But I didn't know that she had started studying costume design. When we kicked off this series, Benita was actually the first person that we interviewed. So at this point, she was about four years into her journey of fulfilling her dream of becoming a costume designer. So we started off the conversation talking about that production of One Night in Miami. The first thing that I saw that you had done was One Night in Miami. Which I saw. I was brought on by my mentor. That whole experience really is a standout for just one of those things where you feel like a lucky duck. One of my instructors at the Los Angeles City College Theater Academy, which is where I study costume design, asked me, you want to work on a show? <laughs> it's period. That's all I knew is the assistant designer works hand in hand with the designer. So I was charged with things like doing shopping and finding some of the looks and finding some of the period pieces for her. She 
design the show, but I did have a hand in helping her find the pieces for that wonderful and amazing cast of people. And I tell you, I just got such a kick out of that that production. And then to see it transform for screen, it's going to be one of my all-time favorite experiences. The clothing was beautiful, the choices, the fit, the staging, the acting, everything. That was such a memorable show to see. I was so in anticipation to see the film version of it. It was definitely an example of where the costumes played such a big part in bringing you into the time period. The film gets to sort of fill that out a little bit more, but like when you when you came to that theater, you really felt like you were in the room with those people. And the and the costumes really told a, a wonderful story for that. Yes. We shopped around LA. We went to some of the little stores that we go to to try to find some of these period pieces. And it becomes this mad dash to try to find clothing that's period appropriate in terms of the fabrics that were popular then, the palettes that were popular then, the way the clothes were worn then. You know, it's funny when we're dressing characters or actors, I should say, a lot of them think of the fit and the way that they wear their clothes as how they wear it out of their personal closets. Mm. But we have to remind them, you know, when you look at men, for example, who dressed in the 60s, it's very different from the way that men wear clothing now in terms of belting. It's more of a structured look. So you really have to have a mind and a temperament for detail. Takes a lot of Mm. patience. I think people see costumes as fashion. I see a lot of that merging of those two worlds, whereas costumes really tell stories about who people are. You know, we refer to building their closets. You know, you create a closet and within that closet is a history of that person. You know, and what do I mean by history? Well, you're talking about socioeconomic backgrounds, upbringing, aspirational goals, and things of that nature. So contained within that closet that we are creating are so many subtle details that tell you who these people are, who they are in the world, who they see themselves as. I think that the general public might look at costumes as, I like it, I don't like it, why they wear that, that's a funny look. But I think oftentimes there's a conflation of costumes and fashion. The costume designer reads that script through and through. We make notes and you just start making marginal notes and you start envisioning how you're gonna go about translating what's on the written page. Ultimately, the the director has final word. We present options. You know, you always, you don't come with a single idea. You come with multiple ideas and then you build, well, you narrow down from that, I should say. Our actors also have input. They are the people that embody the character. You know, they too are creating a character. It really most certainly is 100% about a collaboration. And the idea is to successfully weave together all of these components and deliver the goods, you know, bring it to screen, bring it to stage, complete. So a lot of the memories that we have of these actors, really, because that's who we're looking at ultimately, are the representation of these successful collaborations a lot of times. 
right? The most iconic, memorable looks include a costume. I mm-hmm. want to know a little bit more, if you could speak a little bit more about the, the process. So you said you get the script and you break the script down. And then can you sort of tell us like what happens in order from the time that you get the script to the time that the thing gets shot or performed, like the steps that it takes? My work has largely been in theater. So theater is a lot more hands-on and literally it's live. So there are a lot of times where you're still working on costumes for your shows. But in terms of the process overall, you read the script once straight through, just to have an idea, get the gist of the story. Then you go back again and you could read a script many times to really extract the details. Because again, within that script are descriptions, their scenes, their timelines. And so and I'm glad that you used the word breakdown because that is what's involved. We have to break down a script. So you break it down scene by scene, you break it down act by act, and you're making notes. You know, you're building note sheets and character sheets and lists. And then you're thinking about where you're going to source, whether or not you have to make a costume. We call that building in costume vernacular opposed to sewing, or you might pull from a costume shop, something from for your character. So there are a lot of different ways that people are dressed for their characters. And so that would be building, that would be shopping, that would be pulling. Sometimes the actor might bring his own clothing. We call that the actor's own. So, you know, there are four places that you typically would source what somebody ends up wearing for a performance. Once you've broken everything down and created your character sheets, then do you present to the producers and the director or the writers the like a, a costume design presentation of some sort? You would meet with your director, you show them your ideas, you show them what your ideas and your concepts are, and you get your yes, no's. And then you go back and you just sort of do the repeat. It's sort of like wash and repeat, wash and repeat until you really build the look that will be the approved look. You have your fittings, of course, that's a part of the process where your actors come in, they try on the looks that you're pulling for them. We oftentimes take pictures. Sometimes if the director isn't directly accessible, we talk a lot through email you know, or text. So you would send these looks to the director so they could see the actor in them and just start to really create the world that these people are going to be conveying on screen or on stage. And then you're also dealing with your production designers because your palette isn't just limited to what they're wearing, but it's also the environment, as you mentioned, right? It's the environment, it's the stage. So what does that look like? Is it day, is it night? You know, what does the interior look like? What do the people in those scenes look like? What are they wearing? So, you know, it's never just a singular component. There are so many layers 
involved. So when I say you have to be really on it, and then you know what else? You have to keep incredible notes. We build Bibles. That's the book, you know, where you've got your looks, you've got your visual references, you've got your script as a reference. So there are many, many, many stages that lead up to what people ultimately see as the show, you know, again, whether on stage, on television, or on screen. When someone is interested and they get their first gig, what can they be expecting to do? I think people think about the glamour of it. The glamour is the least important aspect. It's, it's sort of a non-factor for the work because there's so much behind the scenes. You're talking about history, understanding history, understanding periods. I mean, that's really the baseline. Understanding fabric textiles. These are all so important in terms of work that I'm pursuing now. It's actually as assistant costume designer because you work yourself up the ladder for larger projects, but you have to know what fabrics are, what the hand of the fabric is, what kind of noise fabric makes. Let's say you're dealing with television in particular where people are mic'd, right? Mm -hmm. The sound of a crunchy fabric is might be beautiful, but guess what? That ain't gonna happen. Taffeta is allowed fabric, for example. So it happened that I studied sewing in high school and I got a job at a popular, like the top fabric store in my early years. And to this day, I still remember textiles from then. And I'm still building on that. So knowing what woolens are, knowing what cottons, knowing what synthetics are, knowing your weaves, what those weaves mean, you know, a loose weave versus a tight woven something. What are filaments? What are natural fibers? Blaine and Endear, when I tell you it's a lot of work, it's a lot of work, but I absolutely love it. And I could literally do it all day long and around the clock. You know, because there's always something that I'm learning and getting excited yeah. about. So you're pursuing television movies so, or are you pursuing more theater? The truth is theater doesn't really pay you well. So, I mean, it's no secret. Anybody that does theater knows this. So oh, I'm yeah. actually pursuing work in film now. And yeah. yeah, so I actually got accepted into like an emerging or talent development program that's created by the Academy. Yeah. It's called Academy Gold. So out of, I think we were told 58 or 6,800 people applied to wow. be selected in the Five disciplines, you know, cinematography, production, design, sound, editing. And this year they added in costumes. Oh, well, awesome. there were six people chosen and I was one of six. And we were paired with an Academy member as our mentor, the Oscar award winning costume designer, Mark Bridges is my mentor. I'm still going, really? Wow. You know, we were asked who we would like to mentor us. So, you know, they're like, okay, give us a list of three. So you do, and then they want to know, well, what do you want? What is it about this person? What do you want out of, I mean, it was really a rigorous process. And it made you think, why? Who, why? And what do you want to get out of it? And what are you bringing to it? What do you expect out of this experience? What do you expect out of your mentors? So 
we are getting to know each other. So I'm very happy. I'm really, really grateful. He just did, he did the costumes for the Phantom Thread. That movie had me in tears. Believable, you know, and the details, you know, talking to Mark about, oh my gosh, and that top you got for so-and-so and this character, when, you know, those are the details that you remember. Like, where did you find that? You know, and then to hear the backstories, of course, those are always fun. Yeah. Yeah. Months before I decided to apply, we were at one of the summits that the Academy puts on for students interested in careers in film. And I'm sitting up in this audience and I'm probably as old as the people up on stage talking about their storied careers. Hannah Beekler was up on that stage, okay, talking about her work as the production designer for Black Panther. How about that? How about that? And then hearing her talk about her living on somebody's couch, literally, when she got the call to do this work. So you just never know where you're going to be and how you pull it together, right? Regardless of what's happening in the background that people don't know anything about. And you decide, I'm going to do my best work right now. I'm going to show them that I'm ready for this. And look at what she did. She won the Oscar, you know? So hearing her tell that story of being homeless, okay, it fills you with an appreciation for what people really put in, the sacrifices and that thing within us that says, you know what, no matter what it takes, you know, my analogy right now, it's sort of like sometimes you feel like you're in the middle of the Mojave with an empty tank and you got to figure out how you're going to get out of that Mojave, right? It takes something extra. I'm just going to say that. It takes something extra to stick to it. But the rewards are there. It's very, very gratifying. What would be a takeaway from your mentor that would be helpful for other people? For anyone interested in this work, be curious, just in general. You know, somebody that's got a curiosity about them will not wait until they're assigned to do something or given a task or a list. You just automatically want to know. And so in that way, it's helpful because when we speak about things, he can make a reference to something and I'll know what he's talking about, or I can make a reference to something. And I, you know, there's no need to flesh it out and explain, oh, this, for example, I was talking to him about my father having his trip to Bountiful experience or in his trip to Bountiful years. Well, I make a lot of movie and song references, by the way. And so no need for this, like you can use that shorthand because we know what we're talking about. So that's just something that really comes in handy when you're doing this work because nobody's got a time really when you're in the midst of a project to fill you in on the history of things if you will or the internet of things so it just helps to have those referential points and understand so the other thing he he always says to me cream rises to the top he always says that so i would say to people wanting to do this work, be patient with yourself in the process and the time that it takes to actualize the dream. You never know. I mean, for me, I started late 
if you will, you know, people like to put things on timelines for aging. But I say, as long as you have breath in your body, there's never an age when you're supposed to do anything. So you don't know when things might show up in your life, right? Mm -hmm. So be patient with yourself, be willing to do the work and to put in the time because the dividends will come, you know, the payoff will come. I feel very gratified and very satisfied that for all of the trials, all the challenges, you know, the setbacks, the questioning of myself, okay, do I really want to do this? And, and being clear that my answer is yes, I do want to do this and be willing to make the sacrifices that are required. When I say it's not glamorous, it's not glamorous. So you have to find the reward within yourself to know that the path that you've chosen is satisfying in and of itself. If you do it to come in it, to make money right off the bat, well, that's a personal choice, but you may or may not have the outcomes that you might be expecting. So a lot of times people bail out. They decide it's not for me because the money doesn't present itself right off the top. You know, when you read these stories about overnight successes, there's a lot of sweat equity that's gone into doing this work, a whole lot of blood and sweat equity. So I'm really in it for the long haul. I really, truly love this work. I've learned so much. I would have never imagined I'm doing costume design. I came to LA to visit. I was living in New York. What did you do before your, you began this pursuit? So photography is in my background. I was doing editorial work and I finally decided, okay, I'm ready for the big time. I'm ready to go to New York. And I went there and as fate would have it, within five months of moving there, 9-11 occurred. So, you know, that was an eye opener to say the least. I toughed it out for two and a half years after that event took place there was, I was still living through the trauma of it. I mean, having witnessed that, that event. And I had a sister, my oldest sister was here in LA. And I said, well, can I come out there to breathe and decompress? And she said, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, can I stay for two months? (laughs) Because I knew that that drive across country was going to be a drive. And I didn't want to turn around in 30 days and drive back to New York. So she said, yeah. So my plan was two months in LA to just put my feet up, you know, relax, recenter myself and go back. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I did what a lot of people do. I stayed. So I thank her for saying, bring your ass out here. Yeah. And then when you moved, when you came out here, did you have the intent of continuing your photography or had you already begun to think, I'd like to make this transition into costume design? I came here with skills that were solid, that supported me back East. And for whatever reasons, I just couldn't get work out here. I mean, we're talking, I've got executive level admin skills. Of course, I've got creative skills. I was doing graphic design and photography, had clients able to build identities, able to shoot editorial. I just couldn't get the work. Mm. I mean, wasn't like I didn't try. I just wouldn't get hired. And so, you know, you never know how things are unfolding for you, the why things are happening. Mm. So with those challenges, you know, I have free time and then 
I ended up going back to school. So there you have it. And that's when you went back to school for costume design? Yes, indeed. You know, I just say those unwelcoming doors actually led me to this path. And how many years was the program that you were in? It's, It's called the Theater Academy, and it's actually housed on the campus of LACC, so the City College on Vermont. And it's a two-year certificate program. There are three disciplines. There's the technical program, which are the people that build sets and paint sets and that kind of thing. There's costume design, and there's an acting program there. So every semester, we do two main stage productions, and then interspersed in between the main stages, we do student-directed projects. So all of the departments work collaboratively putting on shows all year long. Since leaving school, what has the journey looked like since then? I've had teachers and mentors at school who've introduced me to other designers, friends, circulate your name. It's an active process of putting yourself out there, letting people know that you're available. So I've been lucky to meet some amazing designers who have brought me in to help them on their productions, who refer me to jobs and projects. In addition to doing design work, I've also gotten a lot of work as wardrobe supervisor. I don't know if that's something that you're familiar with, but the wardrobe supervisor basically makes sure that the costumes are clean, make sure they're all available where they're supposed to be. Uh, we do repairs, we do alterations. We're in a we're in a television space, in the commercial space, you know, and so yes. it's a lot of work to be had and a lot of it is wardrobe supervision. What what's your dream? What's like your dream job, I should say? One of my little dreams is doing like sketch comedy because I think I grew up watching hilarious sketch comedy Mm -hmm. so the silliness of it all and how you just build these hyperbolic characters through clothing you know there's some iconic memories that if I were to mention them you you probably would start laughing you know think about Carol Burnett growing up watching you can still pull that up online and it's still hilarious the curtain along with the wind sketch and the curtain rod and the you know the whole thing yeah no I'm I'm totally with you yeah you just pulled that visual right out of my mind so that's one once upon a time in Hollywood Mm -hmm. you know the work of Ariana Phillips when you look at the work of you know, Mad Max, uh, the last one with... That was uh, incredible. That was incredible. Yes. Bad, yeah. So there's just a lot of stuff and it just gives me such an appreciation for the work, as RuPaul once said to me, from your lips, right, to God's ears. (laughs) I agree. And yeah, you know, I want to see this journey myself. It's unfolding, it's growing, I believe in it. I think a lot of what happens for us is a result of what we think will happen for us. And I'm not giving up on this dream, this is it. You know what I'm saying? This is like a dream come true. So I wanna make the most of it. I wanna really thrive and succeed in doing this work. I absolutely adore it. And I can't think of any aspect about it that bores me. So now I'm just looking for more opportunities to do more of it. And I believe they're coming my way. So shall they all. And we'll be right back 
after a brief commercial break. Hello, I'm Alistair Justin Black from Theater in the Black. Playwright Blaine Tima began writing Dead Weight in 2016. He finished it nearly four months later. The writing of the perfect line in a great play, or the making of a line of fine, fancy wines, takes time. Perfect example is Afro Eggs' new and improved Bougie Beaujolais, a red wine with notes of tang, green apple, tropical punch, black cherry, and invisible grape. It's a fancy wine for those fancy moments. What was true nearly four months ago is true today. It's five o'clock somewhere. Take life one sip at a time. Okay, we are back in five, four, three, two, one. Watch what you say. It's Alex Winter. Uh-huh. Watch what you say. It's Alex Winter. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I want something interesting. Let me the people want more. It's Who's That Baby's Daddy Day on the Alex Winter Show. Hello, everyone. On today's show, we are looking at sibling rivalry. Welcome, Colt. Colt says his fiance Brittany, cheated on him with her stepfather, Gunner. Now, he doesn't know if Little Magnum is his baby. <gasps> but wait, that's not all. Britney's stepfather just happens to be Colt's twin brother, Gunner. Let's meet Colt's fiance. Please give a warm welcome to Britney. Who's that baby's daddy? Who's that baby's daddy? Y'all don't know me. Y'all, be quiet. It's a damn lie, Alex. He was spreading fake news. It's fake news. He knows he's that baby's daddy. Alex, Alex, Alex. Yes, Brittany, I'm right here. Please, let her speak. Go ahead. Alex, he's spreading fake news, and he needs to build a huge wall around his lies so he can keep his lies away from my border because they are foreign to me and my baby, okay? That baby don't look nothing like me. Look at his ears. Look at his nose. He look like my brother Gunner. Your twin brother Gunner? Don't twins tend to look alike? <laughs> don't he sound stupid, Alex? Yeah. Why do you think he would sleep with his stepdaughter, your fiance, and his future sister-in-law? Hmm. Even as kids, he was always jealous of me, Alex. Always. If little baby Magnum is your son or nephew, I hope you two can work it out. Because either way, you are family. Here are the results. Tell the truth and shame the devil. When it comes to three-month-old baby Magnum, I guess you are shooting blanks, Colt, because you are not that baby's father. Oh, God! Oh, God! Oh, God! I am so sorry! And we'll be right back after a brief commercial break. Hello, 
is Alistair Justin Black from Theatre in the Black. I just finished reading the audacious and hilarious novel entitled Shady by Blaine Tima. And I'm trying to decide now where to place it in my vast collection of books. You see, it has deception and psychological tension and all the evil of a classic thriller. So on the one hand, it reminds me of the southern gothic style of a young Tennessee William, but it also has the urban grits of an iceberg slim. What are you going to do downtown? It's shady. It's part Walter Mosley and part Agatha Christie mystery novel. But in Zilga, who done it? It's more like a who done did it now? Jaded. Spinning a tale of deceit, sex, humor, and race, Tima brings us the story of a southern town called Jaded. Jaded. Where evil is not easy to get rid of. What a strange place. Jaded. Evil begets evil. Called Jaded. Evil and violence are the only two measures that hold any power. It makes it easier to do what must be done. Jaded. Well, what do we do now? Go. Go today to Amazon or wherever you order books online and get shady. Get shady. Get shady. Get shady. Get shady. Get shady. Okay, we are back in five, four, three, two, one. It's Who's That Baby's Daddy Day on the Alex Winter Show. Welcome back. Please welcome Brady. Brady says his wife, Georgina, has consistently acted in bad faith over the course of their marriage, and now he wonders if his son, Oliver, is actually his biological son. Brady, after 25 years... Why are you questioning if Oliver is yours? I love my wife. I've done everything I could to keep her in the lifestyle that she thinks she deserves, but it's never enough. I want to say, I can't say it. I can't say it on TV. I'm sorry. You can't say what? My wife is two-faced and both faces lie like the devil since day one. No! Since day one. Really, where did you meet and how did she lie? I met her at the Snooty Fox Motor Lodge on Western and 41st. The Snooty Fox? For those of you not from Los Angeles, the Snooty Fox is a type of hotel establishment where you can rent by the hour. Toot toot! Hey! Beep beep! If you get my 70s reference. I had just opened my very first video store across the street, and over at the Snooty Fox, they were shooting a music video for this rapper called Gerardo. You mean Rico Suave? He was huge. That's what she said. <laughs> I let them use my parking lot for craft services, so I'm behind the counter, and the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen walked in. Georgina? Hell no, Georgina was behind her. The beautiful girl was a regular at the Snooty Fox. Georgina came to the counter and wanted a box of Nihilators. I used to love Nihilator. My favorite was Black Cherry. Black Cherry, that was the name of the girl from the Snooty Fox, but she was meeting a client. Don't look at me. (laughs) Well, then what happened? I chatted Georgina up instead, and I gave her the now latest, but in retrospect, now, I wish I would have told her later, because Georgina had this long, sad story about how she just got replaced with the director's girlfriend, 
and now they just wanted her to shimmy in the background. She said she had danced in a Firebird or something, and she was real proud of that. I thought she was dancing in a Pontiac Firebird, but she said it was some ballet. So the Firebird was asked to do the funky chicken at the Snooty Fox. After we started dating, I found out she was hired as an extra from the start. Sounds like she was extra from the start. Okay, let's bring out Georgina to hear her side of the story. Georgina, America wants to know, are you a firebird or a funky chicken? that I danced the lead in Stravinsky's Firebird. And he knows he's my baby daddy. I mean, he knows he's the father of our child. I was a virgin when we met. A virgin of what? At the Snooty Fox. Yes, I was a professional dancer. He's just doing all this to humiliate me and drag me down to the gutter with him. You see, when we met, I lived with my parents in Hancock Park. That's where I was raised. My father was a very well-known architect. When my parents passed away, I inherited the estate. Once we were married, he gambled us into debt, and we lost the house my father designed and built. It was tragic. And then he moved us just south of Wilshire. Just south? I heard any further south of Wilshire, you would have needed a passport. Hello! <laughs> I was once a prima ballerina! You're actually the much older sister of famed premier ballerina Helen Summer, right? Uh, not that much older, Alex. But yes, we are sisters. And it is true that with my ballet training, I was asked to dance for many artists' videos and legendary Ecuadorian-American rapper, actor, and singer Gerardo was among them. Ooh, what was the song? Huh? I beg your pardon, the what? What was the name of the song used in the video at the Snooty Fox? <laughs> it was so long ago. I can't remember the name. It was called Make That Backdoor Booty Do, but his label never released it because it was so whack. So it sounds like Backdoor Booty Do laid a great big duty at the Snooty Fox. Don't look at me. But seriously, regardless of the outcome, I hope you two can work it out because this is the only family baby Oliver has known. Are you ready? Here are the results. When it comes to little Oliver, you are that baby's daddy. Woo! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I'm sorry. See, I told you. You put me through all this. I told you. I am so sorry. I always forget to put these reading glasses on. Oh, here we go. It says, you are not that baby's daddy. What? I knew it. And we'll be right back. After a brief commercial break. Where's my baby? I knew it. Where's my baby? <laughs> If a mine falls on the radio and no one is around to hear it,
Does the mime make a sound? Does it even matter? Mimes are like podcasters. If a podcaster podcasts and no one subscribes to the podcast, was anyone listening? Does it even matter? No. Because like mimes on the radio, no one cares until they are no longer there. But you can change that. Just one click can make all the difference. You can give a voice to those who have had no voice before. Click subscribe and let them know that you hear them. Let them know that you care. Podcasters are like mimes, and a mime is a terrible thing to waste. We are so glad you joined us for another episode of the Afro Existential Podcast. A special thank you to our guest, Bonita Elliott, Who's That Baby's Daddy Day is an excerpt from our first audio play production entitled Dead Weight. And you can scroll down to listen to Act 1 and Act 2 in its entirety. And a round of applause to the amazing cast, which included K.J. Middlebrooks, Sean Carter-Peterson, Frederick Sparks, Lachey Tomlinson, and Indira Wilson. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please click subscribe. Anything else? Write a review. Share the podcast. Anything else? Visit us at afroexpodcast.com or email us your thoughts at theafroexistentialpodcast at gmail.com. Anything else? I don't like to be disturbed. Thank you for joining us. Have a great year on purpose. And we will leave you with a, another sneak peek from our next audio play, Pandora's Trump. I was afraid of that. In this musical number, Pandora is pretty sure that the legendary R&B diva Solange Jurey, played by my co-host Indira Wilson, is her birth mother. And she believes that Solange Jurey was secretly explaining the reason that she abandoned Pandora as a baby via the hit song and disco anthem, Misunderstood. From the album, A Ghetto Life Taint No Joke, with music and lyrics by yours truly and sung by the one and only Indira Wilson. If anyone is listening, Dark Child, Babyface, Beyonce, we know you're a fan of the Afro Existential Podcast because you're our ruler, you're our leader. Yeah, you're a viceroy. You're a viceroy, the queen of Afro Existentialism. You are the guiding light. Sometimes you need a hook to change a heart. And give it to him, Blaine. Get down. Poorly misunderstood. I found success, money, and fame was the name of the game. But it was all a misunderstanding. Honey, I'm not, honey, a, diva, I'm not a, diva, a diva, diva, but I am demanding. Being poor, don't, don't nobody, nobody like it. it. Honey, it's, it's very, very clear, clear to me. Being poor, don't, don't nobody, nobody love like things it. things in life are never And then one day I got woke. I grew up in the ghetto. Mama picked the cotton just to make ends meet. I was twerking on the corner just to keep on. Well, I did what I had to do. Ha! My mama 
did it too. The impostor, nobody oh, like call it. entertaining. A little diva in training. Don't dare get it twisted. When I'm gone, I won't miss it. Misunderstood. I learned from the very best. I work to impress. Misunderstood. I did what I had to do. Misunderstood. Hey, my grandma did it to me. Nobody like it. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.